Welcome back to episode 13 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free, where I give my overall opinion on a series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Konosuba, God's blessing on this wonderful world. Season 1 was released in 2016 by Studio Dean. It has 10 episodes and an OVA that I will be discussing as well. Konosuba has both a dub and sub version, and I watched it first in dub and then in sub. How I discovered this series is once again I hit that Crunchyroll lotto having the series randomly selected for me. Konosuba follows a teenage shut-in named Kazuma Sato who passes away in a unique manner after venturing out to purchase a new video game. In the afterlife, Kazuma's spirit is guided by the goddess Aqua. After Aqua viciously laughs and mocks the circumstances that led to Kazuma's death, she presents him with three options. The first, he can be reincarnated and returned to Earth. The second, his spirit may pass on to heaven for eternity. The third, Kazuma can retain his present form and knowledge, then be transported to a fantasy land, living his days as an adventurer tasked with defeating the Devil King. Kazuma, being the gamer he is, sees this light at the end of the tunnel as his best choice. Going to the New World, Kazuma is granted one item to take with him. It could be a magic ability or a powerful weapon. Kazuma, still frustrated with the taunting and rudeness demonstrated towards him by the goddess, decides the one thing that he will take to the New World is Aqua herself. Aqua's rejection and protest to this choice are ignored, as both her and Kazuma are transported to the town for a beginning adventurers. Kazuma has a rough afterlife, the way he died unnecessarily saving someone who was never in danger, before urinating himself and having a heart attack, was pathetic. After passing some minor hurdles, Kazuma receives what he believes will be life-changing stats on his adventurer card. Unfortunately, he is an average Joe whose realistic height in this world would become an over-the-counter salesman. While his companion, considered to be dumb as rocks, gets the exact opposite stats as him, is granted the title of Archpriestess and celebrated by all the other guild members. The one thing Kazuma has going for him is his incredibly high luck. That mixed with his steel ability leads to my absolute favorite part of this show. No, not the fact steel takes into consideration what you view as valuable, which is panties for Kazuma. From his crazy laugh to swinging them around in the air, we see just how savage Kazuma is selling them back to the girl he stole them from. No, my favorite part of this show is the animation of the hand and fingers while he threatens to steal from girls. To this day, it gets me every time. From the creepiness to the time it took to do those movements so flawlessly, I love Kazuma's beckoning hand. We also discover Kazuma is an equal opportunist and ally to the feminist movement. He has no problem treating women as equals and affording them all the things that come with it. As for Kazuma's design, as attached to his tracksuit as he is, he will get some beginner gear, his dinky sword, and very basic adventurer cloak, and it's fun to see just how slowly he progresses as we see him with the same equipment throughout the season. Now I have to say I was worried when Kazuma was asking extra questions about his succubus dream. Thankfully he went in the other direction, got himself a mature lady. I thought it was comical when Kazuma talks like he's going to abandon his dream and hang out with the girls, contemplating what truly matters, then abruptly stands up and goes to bed early. <laughs> he may try to hide it and he doesn't want to admit it, but he enjoys his new life with Aqua, Megumin, and Darkness, as we'll see after he's killed by the Winter Shogun. So then we get to Aqua, the goddess of water. She has healing and purification abilities, and as for her relationship to Kazuma, Aqua's a good friend to him, even offers to accompany him to the bathroom at night when it's dark out. 
Aqua can be ditzy at times, but the insults towards her intelligence, I don't feel are justified. Just like Cosima did for the succubus, sometimes you have to take a stand and find a hill that you are willing to die on. And I've found my grassy knoll. Aqua is not a useless goddess, and in fact she's the most helpful party member we have. Yeah, I said it. I've seen countless videos on YouTube and TikTok labeling her a hated character, even comparing her to Sakura. How dare you speak such blasphemy. Even conversations I've had with friends about Aqua. Looking at you Kaylee Kale, you damn hater. Calling Aqua useless, stupid, accusing her of making Kazuma's life more difficult. First off, Kazuma makes his life difficult and can't get out of his own way half of the time. Megumin and Darkness add more stress to him than Aqua ever did. Let's not forget it was Megumin and Kazuma who initially got the attention of the Dulahan. Now Aqua participated in the second round of pissing him off, but that was once again more Megumin's fault. Someone had to carry her back to town, Aqua was just being a good friend. Let's look at when Kazuma and Aqua first arrive in Axel. They were flat broke, had nowhere to go, and who got them the funds they needed to join the guild? Aqua did. Now, could Kazuma have bummed money off someone? Maybe. But the priest felt bad for Aqua because he believed she was delusional. Kazuma wouldn't have approached him claiming to be a god, only Aqua's sense of self-importance got them their startup funds. Did Aqua kick back and not contribute when working hard-laboring jobs? No, she was out there in the heat laying mortar on bricks alongside him. She was pulling her weight, even when Kazuma was literally pulling her weight. Cut to the scene of Kazuma cranking Aqua on the lift. Now I'm not some blind fanboy who's not going to look at the other side as well. Aqua blackmailing Kazuma by bringing up his habit to rustle around in the stables to get him to loan her money was a dirtbag move. But as will be brought forth later, she was not the only one to threaten him to get what they wanted. Aqua spends her ability points on stupid party tricks, but who are we to judge? Megumin puts all her points into explosion magic. No one tells Kazuma what he can and can't upgrade. I don't personally see why she would put points into these dumb options. She already pukes rainbows like what more entertaining parlor trick is there than vomiting sparkly colors. Who was the one that lifted the Dulahan's curse on darkness with ease? Aqua saved them from going on a side quest they were certainly not prepared for. When Aqua was given the chance to choose their quest, after first going for the one with the highest pay without really reading it, she doesn't choose something that will require minimal effort from her. She takes on a quest that only she can do. Now, does the quest go to plan? Of course not. The damage done to the cage comes out of their reward, but that wasn't Aqua's fault. The other three did nothing on this quest to protect Aqua or the cage from monsters. They really didn't even have to be there. On the way home, Kazuma gets to steal the magic sword that he pawns off for big bucks because of Aqua. I'm not seeing any way how she is useless and I'm not even close to being done with this rant. When the Dulahan returned, Aqua is the one who delivered the final blow. She also created a huge amount of water weakening him. Now, the party got held responsible for the excess water flooding the town. The reason she summoned so much is because Kazuma is always insulting her. She wanted to prove she was powerful and could contribute to the party. Especially when Kazuma got himself water magic, why double up on that ability when you know Aqua can already do water magic? She didn't want to feel obsolete. That was Kazuma's fault for treating her poorly. Aqua also brought back all the fallen adventurers killed by the Dulahan. Aqua also never killed any of the snow sprites, she was catching them with a net. Darkness, Megumin, and Kazuma were the only ones who made the Winter Shogun angry. And who was it that Kazuma died trying to protect? That's right, it was Darkness who wouldn't submit. Then when he needed her most, Aqua was there to bring him back from having his head sliced clean off. 
She purifies the mansion of all the spirits haunting them. Now a hater will say if she hadn't placed the barrier around the graveyard, the ghost would never have entered the mansion. My counter is, if she didn't force the spirits into the house, they would have never gotten the job exercising the mansion, or have it become their new home, getting her and Kazuma out of the stables. Looks like she made his life a lot more comfortable there. If the succubus was an actual intruder, Aqua was the one to capture her. Where was darkness during this break-in? In the bath, busy playing rub-a-dub-dub with Kazuma in the tub. Now for the final nail in the coffin. Aqua, with a beautiful display of magic, destroys the shield surrounding the mobile fortress, allowing for it to be stopped, playing her part in saving the town. Once again, Aqua doesn't create problems, she's a huge part in solving them. Point defended and concluded. Then we get to Megumin, an arch wizard from the Crimson Demons. Megumin wields the most powerful and destructive magic known as Explosion. Unfortunately, due to the immense magical power it takes to conjure, the physical toll on the body has Megumin collapse flat on her face after only one use, making this great power available once a day. After it is used, our party members are forced to carry Megumin around. Regardless of this massive drawback, Megumin still is obsessed with explosions. She refuses to learn any other form of magic. After discovering this drawback, Kazuma tries his hardest to deny Megumin access into the party, feeling like dealing with Aqua is difficult enough. Having this other weirdo would only make his time here harder. Unfortunately, no other adventurers would take Megumin for the same reasons, so being at her wit's end, she threatens to blackmail Kazuma spreading rumors to why both she and Aqua are covered in slime, forcing Kazuma to submit and allow Megumin to join the group. One of the reasons I love anime is whether it's the story, the characters, a fight, or a death, it makes me feel something. It can pull on the old heartstrings. Konosuba was the first anime to give me a physical reaction. For whatever reason, the girls being covered in slime, I could smell it. Do you know how detailed a show has to be for me to create the smell of giant toad breath in my mind? I can still imagine it right now. As for Megumin's relationship to Kazuma, I like their time together going to blow apart the Dulahan's castle. And I respect Megumin, she is no coward, she steps up right away, announces her love for explosion magic, and takes responsibility for attacking the Dulahan. The last member of the party and new headache for Kazuma is Darkness. Her beauty almost gives Kazuma a second heart attack. And Darkness is a crusader with high defense being able to not only tolerate, but enjoy taking punishment. Darkness is a masochist receiving pleasure from physical damage and being the subject of different forms of humiliation. If only Kazuma had recognized this sooner, his attempt to deter her from joining the party by describing all the horrible things the Devil King could do to her only furthered her excitement to join them. Darkness takes joy in being the party's human shield, getting them thrown into many dire circumstances, having to chase after Darkness who runs straight towards danger. Darkness while carrying a sword could not hit the broadside of a barn. Her accuracy is so terrible she most often misses her target but destroys everything else around it. As for her relationship with Kazuma, I like the idea of them getting together. His short temper mixed with her love of being dominated makes a good match. Plus, with everything they saw of each other in the bath and any other anime, the girl would swear she's forced to marry him now. For someone who likes humiliation, Darkness was pretty bashful in the bath scene. Kazuma is my kind of guy when it comes to taking responsibility for what happened between him and Darkness. Deny till you die. I don't remember a thing, that's my story, I'm sticking to it. And then we have Wiz. I absolutely love Wiz, she's a sweetheart. She's a lich, which is like, I kinda had to do some research on it. She's pretty much Lord Voldemort. When I watched Konosuba and Dove first, I could not place her voice until it just hit me out of nowhere. She has the same voice actress as Philo from Rising of the Shield Hero, Brianna Knickerbocker. 
I love how she is nothing but kind to Aqua, but Aqua despises her. Damn near makes her disappear. Wiz is one of the eight generals of the Devil King's army, but all she really does for them is maintain the barrier defending his castle. I've watched both the sub and dub for this series, and the sub is far superior. The dub, especially in the first episode, was pretty rough, and while Aqua's voice actress Faye Mata settled into her role, Cosima's Arnie Pantoja does not. I found he had Cosima sound over the top even when he didn't mean to. And I felt the same way about Darkness's voice actress. She sounded over the top, almost like she was reading off a script without any guidance at certain points. The only character who I thought killed their role was Erica Mendez as Megumin. Altogether, I think the Japanese cast did a way better job with the tone of these characters. As for nitpicks, there are no nitpicks for this series because everything that annoys you is placed there for that exact purpose. Then I just want to briefly talk about the OVA. Usually they are annoying and trash, but this was hilarious. It, it could have fit right into the season. All the lewd things Kazuma makes the girls do, and I couldn't figure out why he kept letting Aqua off without tormenting her. Now all we can do in this world is try our hardest, and as we see, Kazuma did. Smelling Aqua's hair while she slept, he's just not into her. I died at that part. It's one of my favorite parts of this entire series. We also get Union's first introduction. I love her rivalry with Megumin. As for the visuals in this series, the colors and designs incorporated with the magic, from like the portals that take Aqua and Kazuma to the new world, the water and the stream when we first get to town, and don't even get me started on Megumin's explosion attacks, the detail and how stunning everything looks when she's charging an attack are outstanding. And I'm guessing that the majority of the budget went to the explosion design in the final episode because episode 9 there were some questionably drawn scenes that almost looked fan made. Now I just want to get into a speculation. I have a feeling which is probably completely wrong but there's so much contributing towards it I can't ignore it. I'm all caught up on Konosuba and we never see the Devil King. It's always his like army. I think the Devil King is disguised as the man in town that Kazuma first speaks to at the guild. He laughs when Kazuma says that he's going to defeat the Devil King and tells him go ahead if you want to die. And I think it would be such a Konosuba thing to do, have us unknowingly meet the Devil King in the first episode, making all the adventures we go on really for nothing. Have the Devil King be sick of destroying and ruling so he disguises himself as this man with the mohawk? All we see this guy do is drink and go to the succubus brothel. He also talks about hell an awful lot, and it's almost like he's on vacation. What better place to hide than the beginner's town located the furthest from your castle where your army doesn't even bother to attack? Of course his army would keep quiet that he disappeared and it would explain why the Dulahan moved to the castle this far out. He's searching for the Devil King. He also sounds super sarcastic when the Dulahan arrives and he proclaims, Oh, we're in for it now. And then he wasn't there for the battle, but he's the first one to congratulate Kazuma afterwards. Him having a regular job instead of being an adventurer makes sense too because he would be probably overpowered as hell out in the battlefield. These are just my thoughts. I haven't gone looking to see if anyone else has kind of had the same idea as me because I don't want it to be spoiled if that's actually like a thing. And now we're going to get into best girl waifu and harem. Should be no surprise for me, best girl is Aqua. I watched this show and then I got both my boys Kaylee Kale and Blase to watch the show as well. Kaylee Kale had watched Izakai Quartet, so he's familiar with the characters, but Blase went in blind. So the benefit of having a diverse friend group is the stars just align for us. I am an Aquaman, Kaylee Kale is on his Megamine tip, and Blase loves him some darkness. It worked out perfect. Now, Megamine is cool, but she has nothing to offer if you catch my drift. Darkness should be called thickness, 
Lalatina should be called Tatatina. Darkness is a dime and the one that I was rooting for to be with Kazuma. And while I do love Wiz, the fact that she's undead for whatever reason, I just feel like she's rotted on the inside, which just really pushes me away from her. But Aqua got that cake and is the most well-rounded character if you catch my drift. And Aqua gets that waifu seal of approval. I am all about the Konosuba ladies. Aqua and Darkness get all up in my harem. So now we get to final thoughts. To call Konosuba a parody series filled with amazing satire, while an accurate statement, feels like a disservice. While it does mock the Isekai genre, while using hilarious comical elements, it does a better job as a show than your typical Isekai anime. It may not have the most compelling linear story, but that's the point, it's not supposed to. The characters' quirks, powers, motivation, and stupid decision are what drive the story. Konosuba is in my top 10 most enjoyable anime that I have seen so far. I would highly recommend you watch the series if you're tired of the same repetitive Isekai stories and want a good laugh instead. Alright, that's going to be it for this week. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.